Hey, Veronica. Hey, John. Hey, uh, I've, I've been thinking about the opening for uh, this week's episode, and you know, I was trying to come up with something fun for us to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, at first I was going to do something where like you were like a, a proby, probational podcaster, and I was a grizzled podcaster showing you the ropes, you know, like uh-huh. they do in the movie. Yes, yes, but, yes. Yeah, but I feel like we've done stuff like that a lot, but I, I think I've come up with something super unique that's going to mm-hmm. get us pumped to talk about one of the biggest movies of 1991. You ready? Yes. Okay, here goes. Backdraft. That's it. That's the opening. That's pretty good. In the pantheon of our openings, this is definitely in the top percentile. Did that get you pumped? I am so pumped. I am pumped (laughs) as much as those rooms were being pumped with gas. Oh, shit. (laughs) Well, I hope you're pumped, listener. Hi, I'm John Bershad. Hi, I'm Veronica Yarowski. And this is Box Office Time Machine, uh, the show where we watch the number one movie at the box office either this weekend or a weekend from the past. I said that like it was scary. (laughs) From the The spooky past. past. It comes back to haunt us. (laughs) Uh, What movie did we watch this week? Uh, We watched the seminal 1991 Ron Howard action epic Backdraft. Or sorry, na 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 backdraft. We'll do that once more during the episode. We won't say when. It's the rule of threes. We got to do it. Yeah, yeah. We didn't go to see the theater. See Spiral this week. Sadly, at least someone on the show really didn't want to. And we did. And we didn't watch the 2001 number one movie from this weekend, uh, Pearl Harbor, because the other person on this podcast really (laughs) didn't want to. So we traveled back to 1991 and we watched Backdraft. Yes, only because (laughs) one of us did not have a preconceived notion of it, which we, uh, you know, felt optimistic about. That's what, well, let me ask you, Veronica, so you knew nothing about this movie? Did you have any memory of this? Uh, I know you had seen it. I've never seen it. I have done the Universal Studios attraction, Mm -hmm. so, which seems, now having seen the movie, seems even more baffling than it was at the time. Well, you know, Uh, it's funny. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's it. <laughs> yeah, this this uh, movie did have its own. Not only did this movie have its own Universal Theater attraction, uh, Universal Theme Park attraction for years, um, a major character backstory in the movie movie uh, Waiting for Guffman is based around putting on a stage production of this. Uh, <laughs> this movie was uh, nominated for three Academy Awards. This yes. is a huge movie. Um, not a lot of people talk about it anymore. I have seen it before. I didn't remember anything. I, I remember 
the specifics around me seeing it more than I see remember the movie. I mean, I saw it yesterday. I barely remember much <laughs> of it. I remember. So what happened? I uh, I was at Universal. Uh, this is probably maybe like 2002. I was in a Universal theme park with my family. We were visiting family in Florida. And uh, we didn't go to the Backdraft show because we're a rides family. Fuck that shit. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> boring. Um, but look, if you're not at the very least Terminator 3D, I'm not going to sit down and watch you. Wow. I like a good show uh, <laughs> sometimes. I think the Backdraft one was kind of fun, actually, if I recall it correctly. I, I bet it was. I, the Earthquake <laughs> one I did as a kid, it was cute. But like, yeah. but, so we didn't go on that, but we were in line for something else. And I remember my mom started going, I remember Backdraft. <laughs> it's, I think it's really good. And like, we, I, we, you know, we're just sitting in line and I don't even think this was at a point where we had cell phones. I really don't remember. So we're just bored talking about backdraft while waiting in line for like Jurassic Park the ride or something. And the more we talk about it, we're all getting pumped to rent this movie when we go home. My mom's like, yeah, I think I, I think it's like it's Kurt Russell and other people. The cast and Denis- is great. And De Niro's in it. And we're yeah. like, De Niro's in it? And so we went and and we rented it. When we got home, we were so psyched. And I I don't remember the movie, but I remember <laughs> at the end, my mom was like, huh, I remember it being better. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those movies where you don't remember it well, but you think that it's good. And then you keep like rewatching it and reminding yourself that it's not. I have- Because, well, I wouldn't say it's bad. By any stretch of the imagination. I don't think it's a badly made movie. It's just not a memorable movie at all. I think its strongest point is its visual effects and its weakest point is its screenplay. Mm. So it's sort of, I don't know. I don't know that there's much to it, to be honest. This is just like purely competent entertaining blockbuster. Like This is just straight down the middle. It does, like... I watched another movie this week that I half-heartedly pitched for this episode, Army of the Dead. And I will say, that is a movie that promises zombies and heists and gives you neither. This is a movie that promises uh, a firefighter murder mystery and gives you both things. So Okay, we'll discuss. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that. I actually, before I watched this, I decided to write down everything that I remembered about the movie from okay. having seen it, I guess, like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And here's what I wrote. And we'll see, see how accurate I was. Uh, firefighter cops catching a fire serial killer. Every actor alive is in it. <laughs> the, f- the friendly authority figure is the bad guy. And I might be thinking about L.A. Confidential. That's what I wrote down. And I think I was thinking about L.A. Confidential. But still, all of those things I said were, were true. So I at least remembered a little bit. I even, the movie, moment the movie started, I'm like, Scott Glenn's a villain. I remembered <laughs> that much, at least. Did you guess that? Was that obvious? Uh, well, I, yeah, because I think there are only so few actors in this movie, so it's like, it's either J.T. Walsh or, uh, you know, Scott Glenn, and since J.T. Walsh is doing, like, the corporate greed plotline, so it would have had to be him. Now, they could have gone Jennifer Jason Leigh, really... 
they or would Rebecca not. De Mornay, movie, at least giving her something to do. Yeah, this movie it, it will not give anything to the women to do. <laughs> what are you talking about, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so it's funny. I just watched uh, the trailer for the movie from the contemporaneous trailer from the release mm-hmm. and uh the trailer only sells the like firefighters are our heroes this is a real gritty look at life at the firefighters and barely touches on the murder mystery do you and do you think that's not a, a, as essential part as i i remember it as firefighter serial killer movie well, no, because it's barely in the movie. Like, they go through the motions of having multiple cases of, you know, uh, killing someone via backdraft. But there's no, <laughs> there's no real mystery investigation really going on outside of just Robert De Niro looking at, you know, the destruction after they happen, there's no like really putting two and two together as much. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more just, you know, macho fighting between Billy Baldwin <laughs> and uh, Kurt Russell and, you know, them, you know, trying to reconnect with their respect, respect, a uh, respectable, no, respective. Well, yes. they each have a blonde <laughs> I, lady that looks almost <laughs> identical that they're trying to get back with. <laughs> do you think? Uh, do you think that was a a creative choice to try to show the similarities between the brothers, or just the producer has a type? I think it's the latter. I think it's like, oh, you know what people like? Blondes. <laughs> Man, so. Jennifer Jason Leigh at least has some more screen time. Rebecca DeMarnay, there's a major scene she has no lines in. She just sits and listens. Um, she is clearly so good, like at the scene where, uh, spoilers, uh, Kurt Russell dies. Um, <laughs> like some of the stuff at the end, she's like she's really good. But yeah, that is such a thankless role. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, both of them are. All the relationships are really underdeveloped. Even the brother rivalry is not really... I mean, I guess it gets more screen time, but there's nothing really unique about it. It's just Mm -hmm. they kind of yell at each other. They're competitive for really not a clear reason other than they have to be because they're brothers in the same field. And then one of them goes away and that's kind of is it and then they have like the big confrontation and then this uh kurt russell is very proud of his brother right before he dies i mean it has like all the beats i guess but it's just none of them are very well developed none of them are surprising or engaging so like we're going through the motions with the plot whereas like the arson stuff is super interesting i'd like if you actually if this was a movie about trying to nab a serial backdrafter, <laughs> you know, it would be a way more interesting movie. Like, Donald Sutherland is in this movie uh, <laughs> for two scenes. Do you think he felt like such a fucking schmuck doing, like, fake Hannibal Lecter the same year Science of the Lambs yeah. came out? Like, when he went and saw Science of the Lambs, was he just like, oh, fuck me. Yeah. I mean, here, do I have the... I, I'm gonna pull up the backdraft like plot synopsis from Wikipedia. 
Uh, Are you going to read it, or I, I was going to do a quick little? Well, no, I just want to. I'll read the like the very basic. Oh, you're synopsis. using it for an example, okay? <laughs> well, I just want to say that like the the really the logline of this movie, and it says it is about Chicago firefighters on the trail of serial arsonists, is very inaccurate. This is not what's happening. This is like it's a plot line in it i would say the two out of the 10 like firefighters we know are actually on the trail of this arsonist Mm -hmm. and the movie doesn't really care about that process of finding it for the vast majority of that movie like we don't really care about it at all i think i think so this is actually a fun uh, example of uh, a few movies we've watched recently. One not for the, not for the show <laughs> that I watched, Army of the Dead, or Army of the Dead, or just Army of doesn't matter. Don't see it. Um, <laughs> uh, but like Mortal Kombat is a genre mashup of you know a fighting movie and a superhero movie. They're clearly doing a superhero origin story, mm-hmm. whereas Army of the Dead is obviously a zombie and heist movie. This is. Uh, a few a lot of movies at once but unlike those other two examples i would argue that it at the very least competently does each of those movies none of them are particularly interesting but like i got an investigation i got a family drama whereas with those other examples i didn't get a fighting movie from mortal kombat Mm. Um, so, yeah. like, a really quick rundown. Um, this movie stars brothers Kurt Russell, William Baldwin. Great casting. William Bald- Baldwin, famously a brother. Um, famously the same Baldwin. <laughs> uh, he, he, at the very least, followed me on Twitter for a while. So, definitely oh. the sanest. No, I think um, he's supposed to be nice. I wasn't yeah. making fun. <laughs> No, I'm not making fun either. I think uh, <laughs> following me on Twitter is a sign of a good human being. Exactly. Um, anyone else is not trustworthy. Alec. Um, uh, I'm not going to say. I'm just He doesn't follow me. Um, anyway, so they are sons of uh, a father, also played by Kurt Russell. They're they don't sons really check. of a father. They're sons of a father. Well, you can also be sons of a mother. Um, I think you mostly most are. Most people are both. Most people are both. Um, but yeah, their father also played by Kurt Russell in a, th- a part that's like kind of confusing. Not confusing, but just I thought it was a little weird when he reappears. Play Like they don't change his look enough at all. It's just yeah. a mustache. Like the haircut's the same, which I'm sure is on purpose, but whatever. Anyway, yeah. Um, Elder Kurt Russell died as a, uh, died at a fire. He was a big time firefighter. The younger brother, uh, Billy Baldwin, kind of ran away from being a firefighter for the years after. I guess did younger Kurt Russell raise him? Kind of. Was there any yeah. mention of the mother? Well, I think he. Actually, he only seemed about four years older than him. Yeah, I think he yells at him at one point. I raised you, so I assumed that he raised him. <laughs> but then Scott Glenn also says he raised them, so who the fuck knows? Uh, but, but they g- he got had together. Great paternal figures. Yeah, they both came out pretty fucked up. Anyway, years later. 
Kurt Russell's followed in his father's father, Kurt Russell's footsteps, <laughs> and he is a firefighter, but a reckless one. And he's fallen apart and he's a, an alcoholic and his wife is uh, separated from him. Uh, Billy Baldwin comes back trying to be a firefighter. Uh, Kurt Russell, uh, brother Kurt Russell is his commanding officer who rides him really hard until he quits. And then he instead hooks up with Robert De Niro, uh, who's investigating a series of arson murders and also some women appear, uh, occasionally appear on screen. Yes. <laughs> also, but hey, hey, picture you know, women. <laughs> compared to people of color, the women are doing great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There are no are there any people of color? Uh, there is Santos, uh, a, a man who's in two scenes, I think has one line, and is introduced by Scott Glenn saying, Santos. Um, oh, God. Uh, it's, I not, I, it's not clearly that he's doing a kind a, like a, a Mexican accent, but it seems like he's kind of is. Uh, and then Dark. there are uh, two, uh, by my count, two black um uh, firefighters and old one's just a driver and i don't think has any lines and one's old an older guy who has a a few lines and then they also most of the people they save from fires are people of color but that's that's, that's true it. there's Which, uh, an african-american they are only said like that's all you ever see uh, of people of color is them being saved by our white heroes there's an african-american uh, actor who like really sells her line which is my baby <laughs> and it's like it's literally the scene starts with like almost like zoomed in on her mouth just like yelling my baby before like fanning out to the fire which i found very amusing and good job that lady well she gives almost as uh, uh, as good a performance as another victim of a fire that we see in the opening uh, prologue in a moment that made me go, what? <laughs> did you see who played as the credits? Uh, let's see. Wait, how did the credits? Um, uh, 70s hippie. Did you see who plays 70s hippie? No, who plays 70s hippie? <laughs> Um, uh, this is just in the opening, uh, the opening flashback, they drive around, they come to the fire that ends up killing, uh, the dad and, um, uh, a bunch of hippies run out, including a man that looks a lot like musician David Crosby, because it is in fact David wow. Crosby. <laughs> he runs out and I, and I don't know if it was his voice, but he just like, runs out, he's like, he's like, oh, it's my whole life in there, man. <laughs> And he's it's it's he's in the background. It's so weird. I was trying to think. So this movie was made in 1991, released that year. So if mm -hmm. you made a movie right now that was set in 2001, would you just like as a fun in joke have a big musician from 2001 run by? And who <laughs> would it be? Ooh, yeah, that that would be fun. Maybe I'll have Shaggy run out. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking who started this fire, man, it wasn't me. Yeah, it wasn't me. I'm here. I did the same voice for both of them for fun. <laughs> I, I'm surprised. I think you I did able... actual Shaggy voice, the voice I... of Shaggy, the cartoon character. <laughs> yeah, zoinks. Uh, it wasn't me so, someone's done that terrible sketch that's a <laughs> shitty like bad tv sketch right there oh i bet that's very it's the lowest hanging of fruits <laughs> but i'm so surprised you're able to identify a younger uh bill crosby because 
David Crosby. Well, he didn't look that young. (laughs) I mean, this was, uh, he was not as crotchety as he is now. Is is he the one who's having fights with um, Phoebe Bridgers on Twitter for no reason? Was he really? Why? Uh, He didn't like that she smashed her guitar. Oh. He's like, He's I think it's David Crosby is, is the one who's super crotchety on uh, uh, Twitter. One minute, let me check. Yes, David Crosby is currently, David Crosby, star of uh, Backdraft, is uh, currently <laughs> having a weird war of world, war, war of worlds. <laughs> oh, he's, he's having a war of the worlds. <laughs> well, like the war of the worlds, he's always been there. He's been there for centuries. We just didn't realize. Of course, of course. <laughs> Uh, because you didn't realize that um, uh, Phoebe Bridgers is uh, Melissa Etheridge's daughter. Oh wow, the plot. Thickens. So David Crosby is actually the um, the sperm donor. Wow, I remember that was such a big story. Like every night on the Tonight Show, Jay Leno would make fun of that. And looking back, much like most of Jay Leno's material, it has not aged well. <laughs> wow, I can't believe she wanted a sperm donor from a personal friend who's also an incredibly successful creative artist. Yeah, I think the crux of that joke was that it's fun that it's funny that lesbians need this. <laughs> and yeah, also, that was probably more like, the tone of the joke. Yeah, and also that, yeah, I guess he's older, but... Yeah, it seems like such, again, talking about low hanging fruit. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, the movie we saw. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did because because I just mo- I wrote so few notes because I just mostly was like, this movie's just just competent. I was spending a lot of time thinking about other stuff, like the idea that oh, there's all these '70s signifiers in this '90s movie, like mm-hmm. because uh, the brothers forced to live on the father's uh, boat after getting kicked out of that uh, of his house, and it's still got '70s music and eight track. And I was just like trying to think about like, okay, if you made this movie now, and it w- it started with this 2001 flashback. <laughs> they really go into the hippie look. They really go for the the period setting. I know. I was impressed with how full hippie that. That uh, I guess uh, the opening was because yeah you kind of you drive around all the cars are very I guess late sixties which would mm-hmm. be like seventy one you know fashion wise and style wise and all that uh, so yeah it was uh, it was I like that part I guess I, I almost kind of wished all of it was said in the past maybe it would be more fun if it did that. Well, you but, can watch half of the movie uh, Frequency. Well, <laughs> uh, also, another, uh, they did, uh, I mean, they didn't remake the movie, but there was a very delayed sequel in 2019. Oh, uh, Backdraft 2? Backdraft yeah, starring William Baldwin and uh, Donald Sutherland. I think both of them are in it. Are, so, I, both of them are in it. I don't think either of them star. I, mean, I think yeah, they like, appear to give a connection. No, it stars a man named Joe Anderson as Sean McCaffrey. So we continue it. Oh, Sean McCaffrey, who's uh, Kurt Russell's son in this one. Oh. The younger Kurt Russell's son. Yeah. Well, I guess they're not big parts of it. But he's now a is- deputy district chief of the Chicago Police Fire Department. Good Chicago for Office of Fire investigation and donald sutherland is still an ex-pyromaniac <laughs> but yeah, why, I wonder why would he what, be in the still in the story at that point <laughs> yeah i guess is it like the same thing 
Yeah, let's see. What is the plot for this? He track. He has to track down an arms dealer who you uh, arm an arms dealer who use. Okay, so this is grammatically incorrect. IMDb <laughs> who uses deadly fires. Sorry, we're gonna as have to pause the podcast for a second while we edit a Wikipedia article. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, so, I mean, William Baldwin is credited second, and Donald Sutherland is third, but I, I don't actually know how much yeah. they have. But I was going to say, let's look at the soundtrack for Do this Do you think movie. it's also Hans Zimmer? Uh, oh, I doubt it's the Zim. But... The, score, the score for this movie is in, was in every movie trailer for the next 10 years. So and something I read on the, <laughs> on the IMDb trivia section for this movie is that uh, apparently the show Iron Chef draws three themes of like from that from this score. So when they introduce the the chefs they use some of it when they introduce the main ingredients they uh they use another theme and when they uh i guess are revealing the dishes or something that's the third time that they use the backdraft score which was well, really thematically funny the two properties are very similar yeah yeah iron fire yeah i get can't it can't stand the what get out of the kitchen i mean it just makes sense of course of course but yeah i mean <laughs> the score was pretty good i liked the two original songs that were written for it or maybe only one of them the was Bruce written Hornsby. especially yeah, yeah. The, they were so late 80s early 90s and i really enjoyed well, they are they're that. also i mean it's those little things be, because this movie is so it's this movie is just like the generic ideal of a 1991 blockbuster, like it feels so much. I don't, there's something about this movie that feels so much of its kind, and one of them is this. Uh, it has a mid movie montage, a training montage <laughs> set to a Bruce Hornsby song, yeah. and it's just like it's things like that that like that we still see in movies, but they wouldn't be done as aggressively. Like they become kind of cliches. So they've all been filed away to be subtler, like having, oh, it's 1971. So the first thing we see is a group of hippies giving a peace sign to a fire truck, (laughs) Um, which feels very weird, but sure. But like, I, I just feel like if you were to make a movie like this now, at least of this quality, it would definitely be subtler in some of these things, particularly the a big training montage. Yeah, and I feel like it was also very long, which is actually something that this movie, if Not anything, Pearl Harbor long. Yeah, but it would probably be even longer if it were made today. I feel like there's definitely an inflation in terms of movie like blockbuster lengths happening right now. Um, I read so there was um, on the uh, Blu-ray release or just the DVD release. Um, it had a forty a forty-three minutes of deleted scenes, um, oh, and you, there were times when I I would have to guess a lot of it was from the investigation because there were times the, best the one part. <laughs> the one big edit that I noticed like it wasn't terrible, but there was one where I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure this is not how initially how it played is that. Um, uh, uh, they find out that there's a connection between um, between uh, the uh, guy that yeah the sorry, mayor what, and 
the not the mayor the the mayor wannabe the character yeah, JT yeah. Walsh playing the yeah, alderman yeah JT Walsh he's a controller what what is his role exactly? he's the, an alderman an alderman um, that's right. and uh, Robert De Niro starts to realize there's a connection between he and the deaths and um, we cut to a wide shot of uh, William Baldwin going to meet Jennifer Jason Lee, who now works on the Alderman's campaign and his child is his, I guess, childhood crush or something. Um, but he goes to meet her in a wide shot of the park and he says, um, he says in wide shot, so easily ADR'd, um, we went and we looked into, we went and we looked into things and we found that uh, the Alderman used to work with these people, Cut uh, then cut into the two of them clearly your boss is dirty or something like that. I have to imagine that there's probably a deleted yeah. scene where they where we watch them do that investigation. Exactly. Well, just, that's my point. We did it. <laughs> well, and then I think in the next scene she confronts him or she starts confronting the alderman and then the right cut to her giving uh, William Baldwin a ton of incriminating evidence. And it just mm-hmm. happens like they are basically glossing over all this stuff in order to accommodate two other movies that also happen to be in this movie. So they're kind of shortchanging, I think, the more unique part about this, which is, you know, the work that firefighters and fire investigators do to benefit very generic brother drama or sort of relationship drama that we could see anywhere. And even that, as you know, as we already said, is sort of very predictable and by the numbers. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's it's competently made. All the actors are good. But I would have loved to see more Robert De Niro, like, doing his thing. I would have loved to actually have Donald Sutherland help them in some way that's not just like, oh, yeah, a firefighter would be the person to have caused these backdrafts. That was, like, literally his only contribution. <laughs> yeah. I definitely th- I I agree with you that the ratio the ratio being slid a little bit would have helped like at the very least I think if it pushed the investigation harder there might have been a second where the audience actually believed that Kurt Russell was the killer like they try they try to make it seem like he's a suspect like the mm-hmm. one real clue in the movie is that he has the chemicals um right. He's using them to fix up the boat. The chemicals that it's later revealed are um, uh, uh, are the, the ones being uh, the back the real backdrafters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think if they had pushed that, that might have been more fun. But they clearly made the decision that it was the family stuff that worked the best. And I don't know. I it's the kind of thing I I totally understand why this movie was a hit. I understand why it was nominated for Oscars, mostly for technical stuff because the visual effects. To this day, like I I watch yeah. this and I know that it's not CGI fire. There's digital not well. There's some kind of uh, trickery going on in some of the stuff. I don't know if it was digital at that point in 1991, but like the fire still looks excellent. Yeah, no, all the fire actual practical stunts is super impressive. Uh, apparently, in the credits you see that both Baldwin Russell and Scott Glenn got stunts credits as well because they did a ton of their own stunts and stuff so they got really close in there and you know i think i read that at some point 
you know, they got doused with chemicals and stuff so that they could walk through fires. Mm-hmm. They designed special casing for cameras so that they those cameras could go through the fire. I mean, technically, it's a very competent movie. I imagine when those actors were promoting the movie, there was a lot of just talk about how they did the stunts and how they lived with the firefighters and all that, you know, uh, press uh, junket, you know, stuff. They would oh, be yeah. talking and there's about. so much like uh, firefighter hegemony, if I'm using the word correctly, <laughs> uh, firefighter propaganda. I don't know. It's just, you know, very like firefighter hero worship stuff in this movie, which is a bad. I think firefighters deserve yeah, fire, it. I, I, uh, I can't do what they do. Can you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we, we get so much copaganda. I think firefighter propaganda is great. Yeah. Probably deserve more of it. Um, uh, the sexy calendars aren't enough. Yes. But, um, but yeah, so like it's it's so like competent. Like, I understand why this was a hit. I also understand why it's kind of faded from faded from imagination. Yeah. Um, I can look at it and knowing that it's not CGI and seeing shots where I'm clearly looking at William Baldwin's face and he is very like, I can see his face and the fire very close to him. And I realize that they, they shot that at least semi real. They figured out a way to shoot that. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's some trick photography and he's not as close or whatever. Well, they figured it out because they made a theme park attraction out of it that had real fire. So yeah. they know how to do fire without <laughs> burning a, a, a paying theme park audience. At least the time that I went to it. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it, it. Was famous about that ride that every fourth uh, go through the show, half the audience dies. Yes, and you but you never know where you are in the queue. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, all bl- blow up like uh, Tim, the character, <laughs> like the friend, Tim. the friend who blows the fuck up. Oh, of course, of course, everyone knows Tim. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention is the whole alderman plan makes zero fucking sense. So the underlying plan, so there are sort of two mysteries, I guess. One is more that there's corruption going on uh, with the alderman uh, basically closing off firefighting stations within Chicago in order to repurpose them into community centers and give kickbacks to three of his friends to build said community centers, which mm. seems like such a fucking short-sighted plan. <laughs> because so all you're doing is basically just raising a building, allowing them to build a new building, and that's it. I feel like most scams <laughs> such have Such a low-scale of... corruption. Yeah, but it's also just like such a short-term scam because like it's not like you have a flow of money coming in. Mm-hmm. So you got sort of a overpriced contracts for this thing and that's it. I guess that's why you have to keep raising these uh, stations. But when do you achieve the exact same goal by just saying we need to renovate these fire stations like why does it have to be community centers i don't know this whole scam is dumb i'm just saying yeah why didn't his scam should have been if he really wanted money militarize the fire department the way we've militarized the police department that's where the money is yeah it's just it seemed like such a short lived scam like you can't close all the fire departments in chicago right so at most you're gonna do this what i don't know 20 times whatever Mm. so like yeah so such low stakes 
uh, for that scam, I guess. So that was kind of disappointing when I found out. I, oh, okay. It's it's the kind of thing where it's like it, if it had one more twist, yeah, then then maybe it would have felt more satisfying. And I think perhaps it didn't need one more twist. It just needed to actually commit a little harder to the Kurt Russell is actually the killer because they gave that up pretty quickly. But the one thing I was genuinely surprised by, and unfortunately it it, it does lead into the one giant plot hole I noticed, <laughs> but I'll forgive it because the thing I was surprised by is that so they reveal who the the killer is. It's um, Scott Glenn, their their uh, father's friend, who's still the the senior firefighter, and he is. When they reveal it, who it is, he is scary for like a minute. He gives them some dirty looks, and they confront him. But then he is depicted completely sympathetically, and the movie is very much like, "Oh yeah, no, it's cool that he killed those people. They sucked." Yeah, <laughs> and I thought it was. I thought that was interesting and nuanced, although it doesn't make any sense. And the resolution to that story makes even less sense. First off, he says that he had the proof of the alderman's corruption. Mm-hmm. Then don't fucking kill people, dude. Yeah, just because that's the movie. In the world of this movie, Robert De Niro just goes on TV and throws down the papers and it's the end of the alderman's career. Right. So you did not need to murder a bunch of people. They should have had him be like, I I know it's him, but I don't have proof. Like, just a little more <laughs> to make yeah. him seem a little bit less like an idiot. But the thing that's really dumb is, so they they sympathize with him, as does the movie. And so Kurt Russell, of course, but he did a bad thing, so he has to die in a fire. Uh, he can't be, you know, fully, that's his redemption through death. And then Kurt Russell also dies. And as he's dying, he tells uh, William Baldwin, don't tell anyone what Scott Glenn did. Uh -huh. It'll hurt the department. <laughs> so at the end of the movie, Scott Glenn, the killer, also gets a triumphant hero's funeral. But the thing that doesn't make any sense is that De Niro and William Baldwin then go and show the the like police their their proof that the, of the alderman's corruption. Wouldn't people then go, "Hey, wait, aren't the other people in this corruption the three people who were just murdered in those mysterious arson accidents?" Yeah, exactly. So I, either they're just being like, "Yeah, we can't solve it. We give up," or they're like, "I assume maybe they were gonna like because the big thing was that he could say it was an accident." Mm -hmm. There's a question of whether or not he's going to say the murders, like the arson was an accident. But like, he can't do that now. No. Also, like, I yeah, I didn't understand that part also because so William Baldwin, if he doesn't tell Robert De Niro anything, Robert De Niro is still going to keep investigating. Yeah. Right. So it. Or, or you have to get Robert De Niro in on it, which I don't see why he would be in on it. So, yeah, then we're left with them just pretending that they stopped investigating for no reason whatsoever. Yet they are sort of uh, presenting the fruit of that investigation as proof in another corruption, like in a corruption trial. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, De Niro's giving the eulogy despite not seeming to really know either man he does ref he does greet uh, uh baldwin by name once but that's it and i guess having him give the eulogy is kind of like the movie being like he's cool with this i, it, I 
I, I'm only mentioning because I thought about it afterwards. It's just that this plot hole is right at the end of the movie. And it's not even that, like, it's fine. It's, it's, honestly, it's fine. It doesn't take me out of it. It's just the kind of thing, like, you know, half hour later, you're like, wait, that doesn't fucking make sense. No. But it also doesn't make sense for them to closing, to be closing streets for funerals of basically civil servants. Oh, well, servants? that happens. That happens happen? all the time. Oh, okay. yeah. I was As someone curious who, about it. As someone who, um, and I'll, I'll reveal a fun fact from my history, as someone who used to uh, be a, a tour guide on comedic bus tours of New York City. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, policemen's uh, funerals uh, or, or the president visiting or firemen's funerals are, or a parade are days when traffic is fucked. Dang. And how far did these parades go? Is it a few blocks? It really seemed like Chicago was abandoned. <laughs> like when <laughs> it's look up uh, uh look when we're done, look up like a police uh, New York City policeman's funeral. Like um, they they shut down giant thoroughfares just like we saw in the movie. See what I know from the wires that they put them on a table in a bar. <laughs> well, that's the that's the friends funeral. <laughs> That's when you get together and you're like, by the way, by the way, Scott Glenn killed all those people. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. It's a secret. Especially to this one guy whose face is insanely burnt and is very angry about it. Oh, my God. I forgot. Yeah. Definitely don't tell Tim. Definitely don't tell Tim his life. (laughs) Who's Tim? Oh, he's the Freddy Krueger guy over there? Yeah, he's not going to like this. Yeah, he he would not be a fan of Disney's. <laughs> that's, I think that's probably the reason the movie never visits Tim again. I wouldn't be surprised if that, that might have been a deleted scene to hmm. be like checking in on how Tim's doing, dealing with his burns. Because um, that would also go with the movie's desire to show how difficult being a firefighter is to show one of the terrible things that could happen. But it also would make the ending that much more fucked up. That like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which Scott Glenn, to- you did that. Yeah, I mean, he, also, feel, he clearly guy, feels bad about it. One guy is dead. One guy whose honor you're trying to protect is dead. And there's yeah. one guy severely injured who doesn't know why it, it happened. Got no justice for how it happened. Nothing. Uh, I, and kind I, of I will say the mystery played fair there. Like, because I remember that Scott Glenn was the killer. So watching the scene where that that accident happens and Tim gets burned, you can see that he's trying very hard not to have it happen. Right. And also yeah. is furious when it does. But it also makes sense in character that he would be upset. Um, and it goes with the reckless behavior of Kurt Russell. So... You know, that's that's comp- that's a solid mystery writing. Of course, the whole fact that Kurt Russell would be the killer, that part doesn't really make sense because it's like, <laughs> did he just forget that he sent that bomb and sent Tim in there? Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, do you have anything else to add? Those were all of my grievances and or praises for this movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, no, I, I guess we can move uh, uh, to our, our favorite uh, uh, segment with old movies. And mm-hmm. I'm not really, I'm, I'm curious to see how this conversation goes. This segment, of course, is, ooh, that would not fly today. Is that the name of the segment? I think so. I think so, yeah. Um, I, I didn't really notice, other than the 99.9% all white cast in a massive movie taking place over throughout the city of Chicago. Um, <laughs> other than that, 
The only thing I really noticed is that, and I'm, I'm not sure this is true. The movie, as I was watching, I thought the movie was relatively uncritical of the, uh, to use a, a phrase, uh, done to death, toxic masculinity <laughs> on display in the fire department. And I thought the movie was uncritical about that in a way that like a movie a few years later would have like a female character be like, oh, you men. Oh, you're all with with your man stuff fighting. And then like a movie a little later on would maybe have the main character be the one who's like, oh, this atmosphere is is toxic and I don't like it. But I I thought the movie was uncritical. And the movie Man of Wrath would be like, oh, it's okay. We're back to it being fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, so like, but then again, the, the, the behavior is kind of questioned because... Kurt Russell is supposed to be a mess. You know, it's the only reason why we we could believe that he's a killer is that he's a fucking mess. Yeah. And he's the one who's starting all these stupid fights. I, I don't What did you... Well, first, did you, did you think of anything else that would fit this segment? Well, I guess, as we mentioned previously, just the lack of women and the, yeah. the women that we do have basically resembling each other. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think at first all the dialogue to me just rang like dad movie dialogue of mm-hmm. like men being men and stuff. But I think to your point, I don't think there's anything that's necessarily glorifying about it. I think they do glorify the sort of the tough job that is firefighting to mm-hmm. a large extent, but I don't know that they necessarily glorified the men themselves who do it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, uh, the movie throughout, so much about the movie feels dated and feels very old, but just in that it's 30 years old, nothing feels offensive or problematic in any way and i wonder if sadly that might just continue uh the theme that the movie is kind of cookie cutter and a little unmemorable yeah exactly i think it has all the very obvious beats that you would have in a movie like that that are not very offensive because i don't know that it's trying to say anything that is groundbreaking in either direction really I, I mean, I definitely cringed at some of the dialogue, especially between William Baldwin and Kurt Russell. <laughs> Anytime they confront each other, it was so melodramatic and macho. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, it just seemed like also they were like two hurt puppies who were trying to sort of reconnect, but didn't really know how. Yeah, I mean, and that bothered me for a while. I'm like, Kurt Russell is such a dick. But then the movie's like, he may be a killer. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess you know he's such a dick. Yeah. And I mean, he is damaged. They are, they have done or have gone through some traumatic stuff. So I, I, I found it kind of believable that they would not have more nuanced conversations, I guess, in yeah. that sense. Um, oh, 100%. I, I, you know, I I would find it very weird if these characters sat down and were like, hey, brother, um, I just think we need to have a dialogue about our feelings and about our trauma and how how it's affected our relationships. 
<laughs> I, I see where you're coming from, brother. And I've been reading this very amazing blogger about emotional mm -hmm. vulnerability. And I think we should lay all of our cards Wait, which, on the which table. Wait, which one? Which one? Oh, it was... Uh, it was uh, Julie Smithers in uh, Help I For You. adore Julie. I adore... You know what? I, I, I have so much to say on that subject, but I actually, I think I should let my uh, my wife speak because I feel like she hasn't spoke much so far. Oh, yeah. My girlfriend is right here. And you know she what? she is doing so much work to make me open up and be a more emotionally vulnerable person. The emotional labor we have put on these two women is extreme. And I think as partners and as allies, you and I should just be quiet and let them speak. Exactly. And I think that's scene. Yeah, that's the script that's the script for Backdraft 2. <laughs> I'm sure verbatim it appears that way. Sean McCaffrey <laughs> is woke. Uh, <laughs> all right. Cool. You want to give this movie a grade? Sure. All right. Three, two, one, C. C. <laughs> all yeah. right. That's about it. You know, it's it's really just like Seeing movies recently and be like, this movie makes a promise and does not deliver it, deliver on it. Like, mm -hmm. so watching this movie that, like, I think delivers on all of its promises just does not go anywhere above those. Like, that feels good to me. Yeah. I mean, for me, it doesn't deliver on its most interesting promise, which is why I graded it down. But yeah, it it's a movie that's very hard to hate and is also mm -hmm. unnecessary, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like like Ron Howard putting his brother Clint in all of his movies, it's not necessary that he does that. But like every time he does, it, it's like, oh, how sweet. Exactly. I enjoyed his cameo as what is it like Russ? Morgue attendant. <laughs> yeah, the morgue attendant. Uh, yeah, he's great. Anytime he comes uh, uh, on screen, I'm like, yeah, good, good for you. Yeah, he's the classic morgue attendant in any kind of mystery thing where it's like the one newbie is like, oh, I can't look at dead bodies. And the morgue attendant's like, oh, what's this guy's problem? He didn't do the cliche of eating a sandwich next to the dead body that that's you see true. in every movie with the morgue attendant. But he could have. And he didn't. And I think that's great. Maybe <laughs> he does in Backdraft, too. Maybe maybe he does in the 43 minutes of deleted scenes. It's just him eating a hoagie. Oh, I hope a full hoagie. Well, you know, it's From in Wawa. Chicago. It's in Chicago, so he's actually eating a deep dish pizza. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like a family-sized deep dish. <laughs> Over top of a guy's burnt body. And then he drops it, and he's like, I don't know where the pizza begins and the body ends. Whoops, that was one deep dish. <laughs> he talks about right. the cadaver. Uh, John, uh, have there been any movies that you like that you've seen since the last time well, we talked? there have been. Uh, yes, yes. There are also, like I said, uh, I saw Army of Dead. I I was so excited to really like a Zack Snyder movie. I, it was what I the exact same thing as Mortal Kombat. I was like, this is what I want right now. I want zombie heist movie, and it's just my my any whatever picture any all the scenes you love from a heist movie. They're not in there. Oh, wow. Picture all the elements you love from a zombie movie, not in there. It's also a mean, dour movie for no reason. They make zombies smart. 
but only so that we could have a, they don't do anything with it except to show a zombie father ripping the stillborn zombie fetus out of his z- dead zombie wife and crying. Oh, you God. know, fun stuff. There's a, a, a subplot about um, ice agents uh, raping refugees. You know, a fun zombie movie. Um, but also mean and dour to me is, is the description of most exciting. I don't know what I expected. I don't know why I thought, like, I was sitting there and I was watching it uh, with some friends and they were like, what did you think this was going to be? And I'm like, I don't know. Anyway, but. How is Tig Natara? I'll say this. It's seamless. So those of you who don't know, Tig Notaro is edited into the movie to replace Chris Delia. Um, uh, uh, you can look up why that happened and definitely look up the video of Chris Delia discovering that you can save Snapchats because it's like <laughs> truly amazing documentary footage of a human being realizing their life is over. Um, anyway, like, yes, yeah, she's edited in seamlessly. She is the best part of the movie. However... And I'm not a cinematographer, so I can't really speak to this. The movie is shot in such a bizarre way where Zack Snyder used these incredibly old, dated uh, 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 lenses. Hmm. Again, any cinematographer is going to listen to this and be like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Because I don't. But We call they are- them camera eyes. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... The injury term is Google. <laughs> His we go- call his them goggles. goggles. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but it has an incredibly wide-angle lens. But everything else, but it's an incredibly shallow depth of focus. So if you're not standing right in front of the camera, everything behind you is blurry. It looks mm-hmm. like when you do a Zoom call and blur the background, <laughs> and that's every fucking shot. So that's it actually annoying. made it very easy to edit her in because if she is not in her own close-up, she is blurry. Just oh, wow. like everything else in the movie. It is an, an ugly look that I didn't like, but it was not my major problem with the movie. Mm-hmm. However, I did see another film with you, Veronica. Um, <laughs> you know... <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you just learned that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Um, uh, no, we went to um, uh, the syndicated uh, theater and bar in Brooklyn. And throughout the pandemic, they have been projecting movies on their wall outside, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we went to see uh, Paradise. Wait, no, Phantom of the Paradise, <laughs> the Brian De Palma movie from the 70s, which I had never seen before. And I had a pretty great time. Yeah, I did as well. I thought it was super fun. The songs are great. Everyone is giving 110% to all the campy performances that happen in that movie. And it was really fun to see it with an audience that was very receptive Mm -hmm. to it. There were a bunch of people dancing and singing around us, which was great. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. Um, so that's a movie that definitely fulfills all of its promises, <laughs> uh, including <laughs> including some more. It's like it's like this is rock and roll fan of the opera. You know what? Fuck it. It's also rock and roll Faust. Yeah. And we're going to throw in the portrait of Dorian Gray as well. Fuck it. We, all the promises and more. But it's, it's really interesting. I didn't realize how much of a direct parody of musical trends of the of that time it is like mm-hmm. there is a band that is directly parodying the beach boys there's a song that's directly parodying all the 50s nostalgia that was popular in the 70s 
Um, but the funny thing is, because the rest of the movie is so campy and absurdist, the the jokes that used to be specific parodies have now faded into being just part of the weirdness of the movie. Like, right. why are there 50s greasers here? Oh, because that was popular in the 70s and that's what they're making fun of. But now it just feels like a gloriously weird detail that's just also in this movie. Right. Yeah, but I think it all still works. That's the thing. People think, I, I mean, it seems like the impression is that this movie is a bad, bad movie. And I mm. truly don't think that is the case. Or at least when no, I read about it before. I think it has, su- I mean, it's a very fun movie. It's like yeah. Rocky Horror. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. But yeah. It doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> but I think it was made with, you know... Uh, what will I say? Just like, I don't know, uh, uh, a, a big heart <laughs> and sort of like sincerely. And I think everyone is like bringing in something interesting to it. And it does have some De Palma-isms in it, which at first you might not think. And you kind of see how his style has evolved over the years. So I don't know. would definitely yeah, recommend I I mean, Rocky Horror is definitely a good comparison. I don't know if it's... it's I would... I don't. I don't know if I loved it. At, enjoyed it as much as Rocky Horror. No, me um, I think the the plot's a little better, but Rocky Horror is more of a musical. Uh, and this one, it is a musical, but all the music is diegetic, so there's less of it. There's a ton of songs, but it's yeah. not like as constant as uh, Rocky Horror. I'd love. I'm shocked no one's done it as a stage musical. Yeah, maybe, maybe it could I'm, be us. You know what? I say that I'm shocked that no one's done it. Someone's done it. Someone's uh, put that up somewhere. Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been a big Broadway yeah. thing about it. Though it could be fun. Maybe they'll replace the Phantom of the Opera with the Phantom of the Paradise when the time they comes. They should do that for one month. <laughs> yeah, for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, for special. The same. <laughs> Yeah, the same way that like to go back to theme parks to bring us full circle, the same way like Disney World will like uh, add Nightmare Before Christmas characters to Haunted Mansion for Christmas. Exactly. Like they should just for special holidays do Phantom of the Paradise at uh, the theater that does Phantom of the Opera. All right. Uh, When theaters open again. Yep. Yep. Give us Uh, money. They run a different theater in New York. Um, theaters are opening up again. The world's opening up again. I know. So, Veronica, are we going to go see a movie at the movie theaters next week? Uh, we are, if the movie you want to see is Cruella. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, maybe I should stop. Uh, will that? Do you think that'll still be number one next weekend? Well, it's only coming out next weekend, so I am... Oh, shit, right. I it's would. Wednesday already. The reviews are already out. All I know is I I just glimpsed the beginning of a review and they revealed that in this movie, Cruella is not her birth name. And that fucking that just just start shows me that that's not the direction I want the movie to go. Yeah, I think one review I saw basically said that this is the kind of movie where you wish that you were killing dogs. <laughs> I go into it. Oh, God. If we keep doing this podcast, one day we're going to have to do Timothy Chalamet as sexy young Willy Wonka. I just, I just, who wants these? I don't know. I I understand the appeal of well known IP. (sighs) Oh, well. So. Oh, well. Well, we'll see. We'll be watching something next week. 
Yeah, maybe we will be watching ka 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 Cruella. It's not close enough. We didn't do a third one, so I think I had to. Did we? Da 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 Backdraft! Toot toot! 